Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the little-known Nancy Reagan Library, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. And today we're going to talk a little bit about marking stamps, signing stamps, and things like that. What brought this up was a conversation that we had today at lunch. And again, if you're in Las Vegas, South Point Buffet at 1130. Although today, the because of Fourth of July weekend, the line was so long we ate at Steak and Shake. Yeah. All these tourists. What are they doing here? Yeah. Are you joining us, Scott? Oh, then come over here and say... Turn on your microphone there. I don't need glasses to talk on the radio. I need heads, headphones. Well, it wouldn't help anyway because our light is out. So it's kind of dark over here at this end of the studio anyway. So the this was a conversation that ha- happened, I don't know, probably a decade ago, maybe even more, when the APS was going to mark counterfeit stamps is counterfeit Mm -hmm. and uh, somebody at lunch today brought up why don't you just mark all the fakes as fake and uh, first of all uh, Scott what was the original conversation when uh, back you know what was the original um, thing that the APS was going to do well I think they were going to mark the word counterfeit or fake or forgery or something like that on them yeah, you, just in, uh, indelibly mark them, which means ink, and uh, yeah. But there was such a because opinions do change, and the expert committees are in the business of rendering an opinion, which is generally a hundred percent factual. But occasionally they get it wrong, either because uh, they're human and they make errors, or uh, the current research is incomplete leading to a erroneous opinion yeah or, but or technology changes or like. technology change, which is the same thing as uh you know incomplete information so you know we we do find yeah new, but we have things that are 100 percent. we know that they have been faked in some way like a uh, a shape oh did you get your uh 30 the n- number 38 yet in the mail no not yet oh, okay so uh potentially a shaved proof rebacked mm-hmm. on something, something like that. You know, if you marked it fake, 
Well, but it's not fake. It's just altered. That's the question, yeah. And and so, I mean, if let's say you take an imperforate stamp and you add perforations to make it a much more valuable coil. Well, what happens if I come along and say, this is fake, and cut off the perforations again? And now it's back to being and now a it's real back stamp. To, it's be, back to being an imperfect stamp just as it was issued. Good point. So, uh, but figuring that they could have made some sort of criteria, like when we are 100% sure. The, the yeah, argument, but we can be 100% sure, and then some new technology comes along, and... Whoops. Like scissors. <laughs> like scissors or like a VSC. I mean, a lot of, the, you know, the we've seen specimens with the specimen removed, particularly on 296A, where the, the specimen mark has been removed and that's passed through uh, philatelic auctions as genuine for decades until the VSC came along and said, oh, wait a minute, there's a removed specimen marking. We can clearly see it. You know, well, what if it was the other way around? Yeah, like the O71S I found. So somebody yeah. somebody what? adds a specimen marking to make it more rare. You know, if if you've if you've already marked it fake, then what are you going to do? See, my big argument against it was more from a legal standpoint. Well, yeah, there is that if, too. If you purchase something and you send it in, and it comes back as fake, and then you return it, the person will say you are not returning it in the condition that it was sent to you in. Exactly. And so all of a sudden, a fake item you may now own because you can't uh, sell it again. Well, it's the same, you know, the European experts have been marking stamps for a long, long time. Decades and decades. decades and at decades. least 150 years. And, yeah. and many times in ink, either with a hand stamp or, or a signature of some sort. Um, but in the U.S., our experts used to sign stamps, but they would sign in pencil. Mm-hmm. I mean, Herbert Block and Stanley Ashbrook come immediately to mind. Sismundo. Yeah, but he signs in pencil. Yeah. So if he's wrong, you can erase it. Yeah, and so in in my mind, uh, an an expertizing signature in in lightly in pencil on the back of the stamp, to me, is no harm no foul. You can go ahead and do that, but uh, if you want to do it in ink, that that's a no no. Especially we've seen some where they the ink bleeds through to the front. Yes, and then we call it as a fault. Yes, and that that a, a lot of times occurs with older hand stamps. Yeah, because there was a period in the early twentieth century that inks tended to bleed through. What if you had a collector that uh, uh, stamped all of his stamps? Same thing, owner's mark. Owner's mark in the back. That's Same that's thing. what the trefoil is on the back of a lot of rare stamps, because that's what uh, Ferrari used as his owner's mark. And then if and then we had a. Uh, in, a, in an earlier podcast, we talked about all the owner's marks that are on the back of the uh, British Guiana, mm-hmm. um, including the, the, the latest owner who drew a shoe on there. Yep. But you have the trefoil on there, and you have uh, 
you have um, Arthur Hines, Little A.H., and a couple other things. Well, the two that I enjoy the most is the from the FDR collection that was put on after he died, and they put it on really cheap stuff, just you know as mementos. And then the other one was King Farouk, had like a little sort of cartouche. It wasn't actually a cartouche, but he had like a little stamp put on the back that identifies it as a King Farouk collection item. And the King Farouk items have an interesting story because he, since he was a stamp collector, other countries would send him things that were truly rare. Like they would send him an imperforated sheet of some proof that there are only 50 of these in existence. And he would have all 50. And then, you know, they would get the mark in the back. And they also got hinged. When Everything he, was hinged onto a card. When he was ruler of Egypt, um, the United States government gave him a 1933 double eagle, $20 yeah. gold, gold, gold piece. He's the only one that was, he was the only one that was legally allowed to have it for years. That is true. Yeah. So well, uh, I I know when when at PSE when we do French area stamps, if it if it uh, is sufficiently rare. You know, we'll send it over to France for one of their experts. And we have the option of having them sign it in pencil or not. Yep. But they, they do know, you know, if we send them something, no inks. Well, uh, Nigel Gooding, who is a big-time expert in Philippines, and I collect Philippines, uh, he also has a small auction that he runs. And he had uh, some of the... Uh, 1880, 1890 era overprints. And I said, if I win these, can you sign the back of them? And he didn't get back to me on it, but I'm hoping that, you know, he'll pencil the back of them just because those are faked and his opinion does carry weight. Well, you know, and I, and I think owner's marks are different from expertizing marks. And owner's mark is an owner mark. I mean, uh, you know... If it's a never hinge stamp, I kind of have a problem with ink on the gum. But um, if it's a hinge stamp or a used stamp and the owner wants to put a small owner's mark on the back, I don't have a problem with that. That's their stamp to do with as they please, and the market will decide. It's not saying it's genuine or not. It's just saying, hey, this person owned it. And yeah. if it ends up being a famous person, that can actually add provenance and value to the stamp. But, well, uh, I have several very cheapy stamps with I, owner's marks I on the back. I personally wouldn't do that, but uh, not to my stamps. But uh, you do it to somebody else's stamps, right? Yeah. But it's not—it's not a pre preservation of history to do that. Yeah, that's true. Well, many 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 rare stamps have hand stamp markings. Um, the uh, 1875-1876 soft and hard paper banknote special printings. Many of them have um, uh, a hand stamp that says WHC, which is short for Warren H. Colson, and those were all done in ink. Yep, yep. And stamps that were issued from the 1870s to around the through the Columbian period, um, a lot of them, which were bought for face value, if they, the major buyers of that stuff were German dealers. So the biggest dealer at that time were the Senf brothers in in Germany, and they, there's lots of stamps. From from that American stamps that have their red hand stamp right on the back, and it's an ink, it's an ink hand stamp. Well, how about interestingly Heinrich? enough, they were also counterfeiters. Yeah. 
Yeah, speaking of which, uh, Heinrich Falsch used to sign a lot of the back of his, with just his last name. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. For those who who don't speak German, Falsch is the German word for false, fake, forgery. (laughs) You can take your pick. Mm. And then we were talking a couple weeks ago about the Yucatan affair. Um, Yeah. There were a number of, there were a number of fake canals on number 15s that were signed collection Dr. Leroy in Mm -hmm. India, Inc. Oh, well, uh, a while ago, this was when Lotar was at our office, so this was years ago. If you want to go back and try to search for that old uh, one, they had the um, French stamps. They were in pairs, and then they'd get an overprint for Dunkirk. And not only did they counterfeit the Dunkirk overprint or cancel or mark whatever you want to call it but they would also fake on the back an expertizing mark so uh, you can still see those on ebay even another thing to be careful of is uh we had a we had a group of german stamps that came in recently last few months that uh, they were all uh german stamps that had expert marks on the back and the and about half of the expert marks were genuine and uh and then they had computer-generated overprints on the front. Half of them were just uh, doubled. It was an extra overprint that was that had been printed. And the other half where both of the, it was double overprint, but both of them were fake. So, uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, they, they had they, real stamps they had that real were stamps. real expertized yep. and then monkeyed with them after the fact. Yep, and then they had some real stamps with that were monkeyed with that had fake expert marks on them. So, yeah, it's it's not a foolproof thing, but uh, you definitely have to have some reference for where these expert marks came from, who they were, what they looked like, to be able to tell if they're genuine or not. Because I tell you what, some of those expert marks are very difficult to tell when they're faked. Because they're small. I think any expert or expert company or anything since, you know, let's say the year 2000. Um, You have verification now on the internet. You type in your certificate number and you see if the stamps match. You can't do that with a signature. I mean, we we have our, uh, here at PSE and so does the PF, we have cert verification. Type in the number, it'll show you what that cert should have been. And actually, there was an um, eBay lot for a Philippines, again, Philippines, uh, and it showed a PSE cert, and then it showed a different picture. And it was like, this stamp has a certificate. Well, somebody typed in the certificate number and said, uh, this isn't for a Philippine stamp. This is for this stamp over here. And so then they contacted us. And then we go, uh, yeah, that's uh, clearly doctored artwork. So then we contacted eBay, and the guy got booted, which rarely happens where a person gets booted. I mean, they'll boot the lot all the time. Mm -hmm. But this one, they booted the person. So that was cheers for them on that. Yeah, and and then that's a case I think where one striking you're out is, is appropriate. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, cert verification, unfortunately, you know, things that were certified back in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, there's no way to verify it. Um, Block had kept records, but again, these were, first of all, I don't think he recorded everything, especially at the end. And second of all, you know, if he says this is um, a two-cent Washington, which, you know, whatever, um, and it's still a two-cent Washington, it's just a different two-cent Washington, you have some problems. The PF did make a photo, have, have, have a photo record of everything that they certified that were put into notebooks. Those are in storage right now, but they still exist. No. I had a long discussion with, with one of their experts, one of their long-term experts, and they said that one of the problems is, is that when they moved to the collector's club, they, they ran out of space for all this, so they put it in storage. So eventually they'll get access to that again. Well, you just have to run it through a reader and uh, digitize it all. But you have to digitize it so you can also search for it. It has to be searched, digitized with numbers, like we do with our worksheets. You know, we well, we scan all, we, do, we have our cert verification, but here that the public doesn't have access to is we also scan all the worksheets so that we can see what made the opinion, where, you know, where the sausage was made. Yeah, and who who agreed and who dissented and what their comments were and and uh, everything like that. So. Yeah, comes up quite often where, you know, one guy might have said, I don't think this is this. And, you know, we look back and go, yeah, that guy was right. So, like it doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't happen much at all. And we actually had a podcast, uh, I'm going to say 10 podcasts ago, where we were talking about what happens when a expert uh, certificate is wrong. And well, I would say probably 999 times out of a thousand, it's a clerical. Uh, or uh, some su such thing. It's not. It's not on the experts. It's on the, on the staff when they prep the cert, and it, you know, it might be when it's prepped, when it's typed in, when it's proofread. When, it, you know, th there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that process. But it's almost, almost never, the experts, at fault. Although there is one says the expert. There, there is there is one area where. If it is the expert's fault, it frequently is, and that's where he writes down the wrong number by accident. <laughs> no, if it, I mean if it's submitted as a 408, but it's clearly a two cent stamp, and the guy just brain freezes and and writes down 408 instead of 409, uh, it happens, and it happens. That's probably the most frequent error that experts make yeah, we, is we, they go down the rabbit hole and just, oh, it was submitted as that. Yep, okay. And yeah, then they don't engage the brain to think, wait a minute, that's a one-cent stamp. This should be a two-cent stamp. Well, when we proof, and again, this comes down to the proofing downstairs, is uh, you look at it and you don't even have to know the number. It's just it has a denomination, one cent, and it has the year, and it has the color, green. So it's one cent green. Then you look at the picture, and it's two cent red. You don't know what the number is, but you know it's wrong. Right. And yeah. so then you kick it back and say, uh, something's wrong here. 
Yeah. It, it doesn't take an expert to catch those. But, uh, you know, it, it happens. Yep. And, it, and it's easy. But that's why we have more than one person look at it, too. Not yeah, only, we have to. Not only expertizing, but after that, you know, the person that types should be able to catch that. The person that proofreads the certificate before it goes out the door should be able to catch that. So, yeah, in addition to the expert, there's at least two or three more sets of eyes looking at that. And so uh, those shouldn't go out the door, but they do. Because because we all have brain fog sometimes. And so the big thing there is like picture us signing instead. Every time one of those would happen, there would be a signature involved that then we'd have to go back and fix somehow. And that makes it more difficult. You got to... You know, you can't prove after the fact. You have to prove before the fact. You have to prove before that signature goes on. And that's one of the tough things about it. Now, the second thing, of course, is that, and this is not by any means the rule, but it is very common for signatures to just be a person as opposed to a committee. And so you get a person can make a mistake a committee that maybe has three experts, you know, you have a chance of catching that mistake much earlier. And a person that types a certificate and then sends it downstairs for proofing, you have more security. So, you know, my question is how many times have signatures been misapplied? And it, it only applies to people who are signing in vast areas of expertise. Most experts expertize one particular thing, like German cancels. And so, you know, if you find his expert mark on an Italian stamp, you sit there and go, eh, you know, this may be not worth anything. Plus, signatures are much, much cheaper than certificates by a lot. Like, you can get a stamp signed for, like, five bucks, whereas... And ex, uh, yeah, if they have to generate a certificate, it'll cost you fifty. Yeah, well, I mean, in Europe, yeah, minimum, minimum. Here, you know, for classic period stamps, we charge thirty-five bucks, and the piece of paper it's printed on is like fifty cents. So, if we were just signing, we'd save fifty cents on every single stamp we did. Well, no, because <laughs> plus save, all the printer ink, you, plus the cost of the printer. Yeah. Plus, our printer right now is at the repair shop. <laughs> yeah, fun stuff. So, Nancy Reagan is getting a stamp tomorrow. How about that? Yep. So, it'll be and interesting. See, and, and the rate, the uh, first class rate changes on Sunday. So, you basically have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You have four days to, to, get, those, stamp, yeah. to get those stamps mailed off in the proper rate period for issue. Well, isn't it a forever stamp? It is, but if you want the 58-cent rate, you have oh, to yeah. mail it those first four days. It's like the James Hoban stamp that they issued at 18 cents, and then they reissued it a month later. Yeah. I think it was at 20 cents because the rate changed. And finding an 18-cent stamp used in the period where it was valid for 18 cents first-class solo use, that's actually... Extremely difficult for that stamp. Yeah. So this is going to have a very, very short uh, 
usage period for the uh, the current fifty eight cent rate. And the other thing, of course, is what did the uh, postmaster general say? That this is a uh, this is not going to be unusual thing to happen over the next. Oh yeah, we're going to have lots of rate increases. Rate increases. Yeah. So yeah, so it, uh, Sunday, July eleventh, I think is when tenth. Uh, the tenth is when it uh, is when it increases to sixty cents. Yep. Yep. And then the additional ounce goes up from twenty to twenty-four. I brought in a whole bunch of fifteen-cent stamps. Yep. And the reason is, is because I got from Jim Forty what we talked about last time, a bunch of first day covers. And they're, they're totally unaddressed and everything. You just have to cover up the first day cancel. And four 15-cent stamps will cover it up so I can use the envelope because envelopes are freaking expensive. <laughs> I mean, the, the olden days when an envelope was like two cents, those days are long gone. Yeah, anybody who, anybody who uh, you know, if you're buying stuff on eBay and you don't, you know, and the, and the seller wants a buck for shipping. I mean, unless he's, you know, that's that's totally in line because, you know, you got 60 cents postage. You got about 10 cents for the envelope. Right. At least. 45 bucks for 500 envelopes. You know, plus you got his time to prep the envelope, mm. ad- address it, stuff your item in there. I mean, a buck's a bargain. Well, I charge two. I mean... I charge I charge two and a half for overseas, and I charge a buck for local. Mm. And then if it's going to go by package, then I charge three. But it always costs me like four and a half or five bucks for a first class package. So. Oh, total non sequitur. Um, I sell a whole bunch of Philippines issues post uh, Republic of Philippines, so nineteen forty seven on. And I sell a lot of uh, souvenir sheets, which souvenir sheets started in about. To be common in the late 80s, and I go up to like nine, uh, 2011. Well, the catalog between $2 and $4, I sell them between 99 cents and a buck and a half each. I was having so many problems with eBay because I charged $2 per item. Well, a person would come in and buy 34 items, and all of a sudden it would be $68 in postage. And people wouldn't, like, buy it. They wouldn't cash out their cart and stuff like that. And I found that I was either wasting a lot of time with a lot of refunds or losing a bunch of sales. So what I did instead was I raised all my prices by 25 cents and now charge no postage. So if you buy 34 items, realistically, you're uh, paying, like, 7 bucks in postage, which, I, you know, I'll still get, if you ask, you know, you, you can send in a offer or something but realistically it's so much easier now that that was a thing that you know was just messing everything up and now just taking it off raising all my prices by a quarter life is much easier now yeah the international rate goes up too from a dollar 30 to a dollar 40 and the additional ounces also increased yeah time to buy some of them global forevers the dollar 40 is actually for me a tougher item because you know four 35 cent stamps well where the hell are 35 cent stamps <laughs> <laughs> so you have 32 cent stamps i got a boatload of those yeah 34 but, cent stamps 
Yeah, but 32s and 34s both have the same problem. You need more stamps after you put four of them on. Yeah, but I got a roll of 10,000 of one centers, and I got another roll of 5,000 5, <laughs> one centers. Hey, tell them the story about that. What? The, one, the one cent coil. What? They came out with, they came out with the, the fruits, and they came out with, I think it was a lemon, was the one cent stamp. <laughs> well, it turned out to be a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used all the five and 10 cent stamps up on mail, but the one centers, they're just languishing because when do we use one cent stamps? <laughs> I mean, we don't need that many of them. I mean, yeah. Usually if you get close, you only stick a couple on a, on a, on an item, if that. So I, I probably have 7,000. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you had 58 cent stamps and you throw two one cent stamps on it, but you don't have 58 cent stamps, they're all forever stamps. Right. Yep. Or, you know, 229s. I used a lot of 29 cent stamps. That was my go to. 229 cent stamps, out of here. So, uh, yeah, discount postage, uh, the math changes, but I'm kind of wondering. And, you know, we were speaking before about, you know, how many rate changes we would have before the end of the year. And uh, by the sound of it, if we have more than a couple, all the priority in express mail stamps are going to be, yeah, let's, I, I don't want to use the term investment on them because I do not think they're prestige items that are going to hold value. But I think they're all going to go up in value quite a bit. You know, buying them as discount postage is not going to be a thing that you can do. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. You know, how many Bethesda fountain stamps are in our future? So, I buy them. Well, I'd buy them if I could find them. Well, that's just it. You can't find them. All you have to do is go down to the post office. Actually, the last ones I bought ten sheets. I spent a thousand bucks on ten sheets of the uh, express mail stamps, and uh, came in. And so, you know, I wanted to get get one. You know, I, I'm I'm always thinking like advertising. Yeah, what he stuff. didn't notice is they all had little wrinkles. Yeah. In them. <laughs> And all and it's like, geez. I mean, somebody probably dropped the, the the pad when they were still all sealed together, and so they they all had the same wrinkle in the same position on every single one of them. Yep. Hmm. So when you go to the post office window, make sure you get stamps that aren't damaged. Yeah. Because they do get banged around. A lot of times, the clerks though don't want to spend the time to show you the stuff unless you really ask for it. Well, the other thing, too, is that I didn't mind so much. It, you know, I could have probably returned them and said, hey, these are banged up. But um, I think most of them are going to be sold as singles. I don't think sheets are going to yeah, be they really. Do, they do sell those as singles. So. Yeah. So if it's a single, then that bang mark wrinkle goes away because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not on the stamp. It's in the margin. Yeah. Um, you know, like the Bethesda Fountain. You see some people selling sheets, but they are really, really rare because people, you know, need one for their collection. They and they don't need a sheet for their collection. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll see what happens. But like I said, my crystal ball is priority and express mail stamps are going to go way up in value. They are not, most, in my I, opinion, good I, investments. I think most of the collectors who are collecting the the modern stuff that's coming out now. Uh, most of those kind of collectors tend to be on a budget. 
I'm not saying every single one is, but a lot of them are on a budget. And so buying a single stamp at, you know, 16, 18, $20, $25 is much more palatable than buying a sheet of four yeah. at a hundred bucks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're going to see singles, but you're not going to see a lot of sheets in most collections. And again, you know, the white ace collectors, and there are a lot of them who collect in a white ace album and want, you know, every stamp for every issue. Um, they all need the priority and express mails. And like I said, that's, I think, what's driving up Bethesda Fountain. Yeah. But, you know, Bethesda Fountain, when you talk about it being worth 100 bucks, you go, wow, there's a current stamp that's worth $100. But you have to point out that it's a $25 face. Right. So it's actually four times face, whereas normal stamps sell for two times face. Mm, no, they don't. They sell for less than two times face. Well, I mean, a lot of times they sell for less than face. But, <laughs> but if you know, you're lucky. Yeah. This, this scarce, oh, one I learned, and I never knew this, the Hawaiian shirt stamps are incredibly rare. Yeah. you That is... They are selling for multiples of face, like four, five, six, seven, eight times face. Because yeah. people, I guess, you know what the story is on that? or They just weren't saved. I mean, it was a postcard rate. So a yeah, lot of 30, 34 cents, was it? I forget. Somewhere. A lot of, a lot of people didn't buy them uh, to use because they were postcard rate. Not, I mean, if you were in Hawaii, yeah, you buy postcard rate stamps and you... Mail, mail postcards home, but um, mo for the most part, they didn't get a lot of usage, and so you know, there was a lot of leftover that went back and got destroyed. Was there a uh, improved press sheet of it? No. There were coils and booklet panes. Yeah, well, they were the convertible booklets. They right. came flat, double-sided. Double yeah, no, no, the single-sided. Single-sided little sheet that you folded yeah, three it's a ways. Yeah, sheetlet that you oh, could okay. fold in half. Yeah. But they call them convertible booklets. It's basically a tiny, almost square sheet. Convertible and, booklet. Yep. You can rip off the, the center strip and fold it in half. That's like today, Jerry said uh, he had a reverse house. And you go, what not wanting to be stupid. And he goes, you know what a reverse house is? And then I had to like admit that I had no idea what a reverse house was. A reverse house is a two-story house where the kitchen is on the upstairs and the bedrooms are on the downstairs. And that was the equivalent of convertible booklet. I learned two terms today that I have <laughs> never heard and hopefully I remember them. <laughs> but convertible booklet and reverse house. You learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, you know, those, those are different from the double-sided booklets. Yeah. And then you have vending booklets, which are the usually the multi-section ones, and a lot of times they already have the strips removed, mm -hmm. and they're already folded up into three, four sections. The magic of stamp collecting. Yes. You can get into the weeds here. Well, speaking about getting into the weeds, everybody have fun running around in weeds. Yep. I got a lawn to mow. <laughs> we need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. 
The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.